Hi, parents. Welcome to today's episode called Enmeshment. Oh, it's such a great topic and so important. I know a lot of therapists, a lot of people in the industry, struggling teens, they talk a lot about enmeshment, but they don't explain how to get out of it. So here it is today, a gift to you, how to get out of enmeshment. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Parenting Post-Wilderness, your guide to parenting struggling teens. I'm your host, Beth Hillman, a mom of five boys, including a post-wilderness teen and a life coach for parents. I will guide you on how to influence lasting change by first understanding the relationship-changing power of focusing on your own behavior instead of futile attempts to control your teens. Parents, the change begins with us. Hey parents, today we are going to talk about enmeshment. This is something that I feel uh, therapists and maybe other coaches and stuff throw around quite a bit, but I have a real specific story I think you might relate to, Um, and so I'm excited to share this. So enmeshment means to catch or involve in as if to like set a net or ensnare. It means to entangle, right? Enmeshment describes a relationship between two or more people in which personal boundaries are permeable and unclear. The great Brene Brown says, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And that's where enmeshment comes to play. It's like the perfect recipe for disaster. (laughs) So when our son was around 17, he would ask me incessantly for gas money. (laughs) we had told him, we don't pay for gas money. The answer is no. But every time he asked, he would get more persistent and beg more. And then I would get mad and I would start to get super annoyed. And I would finally just like, oh, just take it. And I would give it to him. And frankly, just, just to get him to leave me alone. He would make me so mad. I couldn't figure out why he would just, he wouldn't obey me or take my no, or just, gosh, he just wouldn't listen. Oh, so frustrated. I even thought thoughts like, well, did he hate me that much to pester me like that? Or did he think of me so little? I mean, was gas money all I was good for? Oh, what a jerk. How manipulative. I, I literally couldn't believe it. And this happened over and over and over. That is a perfect example of enmeshment. That unhelpful family dynamic takes two people or more. I was so convinced he was in charge of me giving him money because he he just kept at me and at me. Ugh, he was relentless. <laughs> so I'd give it to him. So I thought my son was making me give him the gas money and I thought he was making me mad and frustrated. Okay. So let's break this down just a little bit. One of the best questions to get out of an enmeshment pattern is, what is my part here? Because things can seem really sticky and just downright awful and just feel gross. And you you just feel so swirly and confused. Okay. 
because it's all enmeshed. It's entangled. It feels like a snare. And so one of the very first things I like to ask, what is my part? Because here's the thing I assume. I always have a part to play in any relationship that I'm a part of because it takes two to have a relationship. (laughs) A relationship is you and me, two people. So I know I have a part. It's not just an assumption, it's a fact. So from now on, know you have a part to play in any and all of your relationships. And it's your choice to become aware of it, or you can stay in the mucky muck of confusion and grossness. It's your choice, okay? So uh, here's the thing, though. Taking responsibility for your part can feel awful. It, it just feels, ugh. Because I, and you may, you may as well, have thoughts like, ugh, I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. How could they do that to me? Ugh, it's all their fault. Like, why are they act like that? I'm just sitting here. Don't they love me? Don't they get me? I just can't figure out why they would do that to me. They're using me. They're abusing me. They're so manipulative. I can't stand how they talk to me. Okay. (laughs) I have thought all of those things. Can you feel that? (laughs) But what's going on is this is your brain on defense. It's trying to protect you and itself. And what it's doing is it's blaming the other because it does not want to do the work itself. It wants everyone else to expend energy and change, and it wants to keep you safe. Because change is hard for the brain. So it places the brain blame and the work on the other person because it thinks it's easier for them to change than for you. Ah, indeed. But this is false thinking. This is thought errors. This It doesn't work. Because trying to change another person is ridiculously hard. In fact, more hard or much harder than changing yourself. Because it turns out you're actually not in charge of anyone else or what they do or what they say. You're only in charge of you. And that's good news. I promise. It's good news, but it's hard at first <laughs> because at first we really just want to make the other people change. We want them to fix it. Okay. So I wanted so desperately for my son to stop begging me for gas money. That's how I wanted the change to take place. If he would only stop asking, uh, if he would only just earn his own gas money, if he'd only just get a job or work harder or just leave me alone or whatever, just like stop the madness. I did. I wanted him to stop asking. And because of this, my desire for him to stop the dynamic was extremely frustrating to me, as you can imagine, right? The frustration is sure to happen when we are desperate for someone else to change so we can feel better. It's frustrating because no matter what I do, I cannot make him or anyone else change. You know, unless I got some duct tape, which I promise I thought about, (laughs) but I didn't do. Do you see? I'm making it all on him. I'm putting it all on him. If he could just stop asking me already, if he just earn his own money, everything was about him changing. Okay. I hope you guys have a situation that, that maybe you're thinking of. Right? It, it may even be the exact one because I know this is not, you know, this is this is not uncommon. 
for our children, our teenagers to be asking us for gas money. But when we get in the middle of this entanglement with high emotions, both of us are unregulated, it is extremely unclear to see what's happening or what needs to happen. High emotions muddy the thinking waters. When the brain is in an emotional state, it has a really hard time thinking logically or cognitively. Emotions muddy our ability to think clearly. Literally, there's stuff going on in that brain. I can't explain it all. (laughs) But emotions muddy the waters, okay? It's just we start to to, well, we start to resist or react or avoid instead of feeling, and that gets us confused. And then we start making decisions from places of fear. It just gets all messed up and further entangled lots of times. So I am going to give you four steps to get out of enmeshment. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but it is pouring rain here. So I just wanted to say, if for some reason you're hearing that, it is the gorgeous rain outside. Okay, so the first step, when you're feeling that muddy confusion, madness, anger, when you're feeling that emotion or feeling confused about what to do, take a break. Separate yourself from the situation or from the relationship for just a little bit. Take some time. I cannot emphasize how important this step is. You, your brain, everything in you will want to solve it right then. No, no, just listen to me. Just, you got to stop asking. I want you to, you know, it's going to want you to do that. Okay. But you're going to need to start practicing. If, if you want to learn how to be on a mesh, you want to start practicing space. Take space, take time. Give yourself a minute to calm down. And you're not actually calming down. You're actually giving yourself a minute to feel. That's actually what you're doing. But I want you to take some space from the from this person or from the situation, okay? Take a breather. Take a walk. Take time to feel, okay? Or at least take time to just disassociate for a second. And I'm serious when I say that. Just take time to just take a minute, okay? Okay. That's step one. And this takes probably longer than you might think. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if, you ta- if, you're, if you're just going to take five or 10 minutes, especially at the beginning, I don't think it's going to serve you because you're just going to be in your head and it's, it, you're not going to really be able to go anywhere helpful. Okay. When I say take space, I mean, take, take a day. That's what I mean. Most things we perceive as a crisis or that has to be done right now, I, I'm going to I'm just going to say 99% of these things can wait. Like really, literally 99%. Most things can wait. Sometimes you have to fight for that time to be like, no, I'm not going to answer you right now. The answer is no until I take some space, until further ado or something. Okay. Step one, take some space. Step two, while you're taking that space, you do want to feel your feelings. And that is something that I I feel like I'm always on the soapbox about how, what am I feeling and allowing those feelings? And we can get more into that later. Okay. But step two is asking this very important question. What is my part here? You remember the thoughts I had said before about, oh, I'm sitting here. I'm innocent. That's your brain on defense. So this question, 
starts to poke holes in that victim mentality, in that like, I didn't do anything, okay? Or it starts to poke holes in, it's all my fault. I, it's all my fault. I did all that. I'm, I'm responsible for all that. I made them do that. That is not okay either. You don't want to take all the blame in a relationship. And you don't want to take, uh, let's see, how do I say this? Uh, you don't, you want to take none of the blame. Oh man, what is that? <laughs> it's not all your fault. And it's not none of your fault. Does that make sense? It's, it's, that's black and white thinking. And that's usually a red flag. So don't go to either of those extremes. Okay. We just want to ask, what is my part here? I want to be able to see my part, uncover what I may have missed. I want to observe my actions with curiosity. What did I actually say? And you can't really get to a more truthful place until you felt your feelings. I'm just going to say that until you take that space. So here we are thinking, okay, what is my part actually? I'm looking to see what could I take responsibility for that is actually mine. I'm just going to say it one more time. Please don't take responsibility for anything that's not yours. Don't do that, okay? They have a part to play in the family dynamic, and you have a part as well. They get to own their part, and you get to own yours. And that's why we're asking this really awesome question, what is my part here? Okay, so this is when the epiphany can come. What was my part in that in that gas money situation? Wait a second. What were my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions in that situation? What were they? So I started to th- look at my thoughts first. Well, I think I have to give him the money. I think he should stop asking and begging and pestering. I think he should go get a new job. So I'm looking at all of my thoughts, okay? Then I want to move into feelings. I feel resentful. I feel frustrated, mad, sad, abused, taken advantage of. I feel like a victim. I feel attacked. This is so helpful, guys. This is such a good idea to recognize your part in it. And your part is your thoughts, feelings, and actions, okay? I realized some of my actions where I say, stop asking for money. I say, I'm not going to give it to him. I say, no. And then I give him the money. That's what was going on. I had these thoughts. I had feelings. And I had actions. That's what my part is. I was giving him the money. So just a few minutes ago, did you see that I thought he was making me give him the money. So just this step two, just this part alone, what was my part? I was actually giving him the money. Whoa, that huge epiphany there. That can actually bring a great amount of accountability, which is really helpful. So here's the thing I recognize at this point. And I am not in integrity with myself because I'm giving him money and I don't want to. I'm not holding a boundary. I don't even have a boundary. And I'm not in integrity with my son because I'm saying one thing, stop asking, no, can't you just listen? And I'm doing something else. Whoa, another really great epiphany. (laughs) 
And this is the perfect recipe for resentment and enmeshment. Can you see it? I was blaming everything on him, wanting him to change. That's the enmeshment. And now we're unenmeshing. Okay, we're working on this unenmeshment. That is like, I can see my part and you've got your part. Notice I'm not going to uh, not going to go through his part because it's not mine. They're not my thoughts or my feelings or my actions, his stuff, right? That's his job. And plenty of times our children don't do it. I get it. <laughs> okay. So step three is not just, you know, asking. So step two is asking that question, like, what's my part? But step three is taking responsibility for my part. Now, this is where plenty of people and parents get super judgmental of themselves. They start beating themselves up. And trust me, I've been there. I'm the worst mom. Ah, I can't do anything right. I'm failing. I'm lying. Oh my gosh. Stuff like that. And I know this is because I do, I did it. I do this still from time to time. Of course I do. I'm human. But I'd like to just suggest we just like stop beating ourselves up. Literally, we just stop it. We just stop it. And we're like, no, I'm a human and I make mistakes. Period. The end. And Instead, we just take responsibility for this place of, whoa, (laughs) it turns out I'm totally human. I am a human mom. It turns out I'm learning and growing as a person and as a mom. And it's fascinating that my brain is always trying to protect me by by blaming everybody else. But it, it sometimes doesn't know best. Sometimes my cognitive brain needs to take over and choose something way more helpful which is, ah, yeah, there I am, make another mistake again. Reminding myself I'm human. Awesome. Okay. And from there, step four, we can make a new plan. All we have to do is decide again, decide something different, make another decision from a place of intention. So I think, okay, instead of giving my son money and feeling resentful and stuck, I... I'm now going to create a boundary and I'm going to hold that boundary with love and patience. Now that sounds real simple. (laughs) And it is, I guess, simple, but it's not easy. This is hard. This is brand new behavior, making this new plan. It's hard to make new patterns, but this is what we do. This is the work. So this is what that looked like for us and our family, okay? I went to my husband. I'm like, okay, this is what's going on. And I, I explained to him, this is how I'm so frustrated. This is this is all the things, but this is where we slash I, we can make some changes on our part, right? Because we have a part, so we can make changes on our part. We can make a new plan with our part. And so I try to get on the other same pages or the same page as my husband. And that's really nice. Now, that is not always optional. It's not. And I totally get that. But if it is optional, then by all means, do it. Okay. If it's not, well, we can talk about that later. But you do, you just go about trying to control you uh, as best you can and making a boundary that, that you can fulfill. Okay. That's what you do. So, in this situation, though, my husband and I agreed. And this is what we agreed on. Okay. We decided neither of us would give our son any more gas money. It was done. We decided to provide a list of chores he could accomplish 
and earn an already set amount of money for. Okay? There would be no loans. <laughs> no loans. But but mom, I just got to go run out. Mom, I don't have time to do a chore. Oh, darn it. That's too bad. It is too bad. I feel that. I'm not being uh, cruel. That is too bad. I'm so sorry you didn't think of that ahead of time. And that's it. Okay? We would be kind, but very clear when holding the boundary. We decided being consistent as a parent mattered more than our son liking us. Now, I know that sounds really kind of funny, but I promise all parents want to be liked by their children, and it is detrimental to your parenting. Okay? It is. It was okay. This is the other thing we decided. It was okay that he disapproved of our decision. It's fine. He doesn't have to like it. It wasn't up to him. It was up to us whether we gave him gas money or not. Okay? And here's another one. If either of us had a hard time holding the boundary, we would pull up our bootstraps and do it anyway because <laughs> we're adults. The only reason we wouldn't be holding that boundary is because we'd feel bad. Well, that's we weren't going to do it anymore. We're like, well, we'll feel bad. That's fine. You can feel your feelings. But we weren't going to move from that spot anymore. We weren't going to change our decision anymore. We would allow our feelings about it being hard, but not change our minds. We would not shift that boundary. And of course, it was going to be hard. We wanted to recognize that. Of course, it was going to be hard because we were terrible at the time, terrible at holding boundaries because we hated, we didn't want to, quote, make him mad. Well, that wasn't our responsibility either, turns out. And let me tell you what's more, there, I don't know what is more frustrating for a child that parents who oscillate in their boundaries. But I want you to know how much love and empathy and compassion I have for the parents who do because I was one of them. We were. We were totally one of them. We couldn't hold boundaries to save our lives. <laughs> until we could, until we changed, until we made the decision, it was more important to be consistent than be liked. And then our only job was to hold it, was to hold that boundary and feel our feelings. That too, it's extremely important. Feel our feelings, still hold the boundary. And we got better and better at it, turns out. We practiced it. And after some time, by the way, our son kept asking for gas money because that was our pattern, right? He was, uh, it always worked. So of course he kept asking. But we just kept showing up in our new plan. Oh, nope. We don't pay, we don't give you gas money. That's the rule. Sorry. Figure out another way. We know you can do it. You got this. We kept encouraging. We kept him supporting him and still holding our boundary. That's that love and patience part. Because we were changing on him. And that's tough on his brain. But that doesn't mean we shift. That doesn't mean change. That means we hold it. And guess what? He stopped asking. Eventually, he stopped bugging us about it. He stopped asking about it. He started to understand we meant what we said because we finally did. We finally did mean it. It just blows my mind to think about. And this is, I'm going to tell you, this experience was about four years ago. It blows my mind how far we've come. It doesn't matter where you're starting from. Just 
start. Today is a perfect day to just begin anew. It's the perfect time. It's a perfect moment. Okay. I want you to know it's possible. So I'm just going to really quickly go over those four steps again for unenmeshment, which is the key actually to holding a boundary is to become unenmeshed. Okay. To realize your child has their own thoughts, feelings, actions. They are their own person and they get to do all that. Well, to an extent, right? But you have control over you. I have, I found out I have control over what I think, what I feel, and what I do some of the time, as soon as I can become aware, right? Of those unconscious patterns. So, step one, take some space. I'm telling you, the rest is garbage. <laughs> it's really unachievable if you cannot take. And, the, and I do say take. You don't ask for it. You're an adult. You take it and you can take it kindly. You know what? I need some time to think. I need some time. I'm going to go take that. And you just drive away if you have to, whatever you got to do. Okay. Step two, ask, what is my part here? Ah, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? And what are my actions in this specific situation, this relationship, whatever's going on? What is my part here? I'm telling you, sometimes it takes a minute to think about days. I actually took six weeks once for a pretty extreme situation to figure out what my part was. It did. It took me a while, but I did it. Step three, take responsibility for your part. Own it. Accept it. Okay? Own your what you thought. Own what you felt. And own what you did. Okay? And step four, make a new plan. Decide again. Actually, we want to be parents who hold their boundaries. Awesome. Do it. It is achievable. I promise. I've been there. All right, everybody. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Hey there. Thank you for joining me today. If you know a struggling parent, please share this with them. If you have any questions or want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Beth Hillman Coaching or through my website, BethHillmanCoaching.com. And remember, parents, the change begins with us.